the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. This reading is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This morning I'm continuing our series in the book of Philippians, which Adrian has summarised for us brilliantly, I think. Jesus is enough, full stop. Um, I'm actually going to focus in on the middle two verses of that passage, verse 6 and 7, and then... Davina and Chika have kindly offered to come and speak to us from verse 8. I want to start actually by just revisiting those middle verses 6 and 7 in a slightly different translation, the Passion. Um, I'm really grateful to my daughter Becky for introducing me to the Passion translation. Um, It adds a little bit of detail um, to the text, so I think it will be on a slide for you, but I'll read it again now. It says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. So here in chapter four of the book, Paul is challenging us now with practical ways to keep on living out a Jesus-centered life based on all the theology he's laid out for us in the previous chapters. So verse 6 gives us two very practical instructions, and you'll be pleased to know that this short talk has just got three points. Number one, do not worry. Number two, pray about everything. And number three, we can receive the promise of God's peace, which is in verse 7, and we'll come on to. I'm going to unpack each of those three ideas a little bit. Before I dive in, I just want to acknowledge that there will be people listening to this message for whom anxiety is a daily and real struggle. God is with you, he loves you, and he is on your side. When anxiety is your reality, a talk that says, do not worry, can be quite difficult. I want you to know that I know what that feels like, I've been there, and more importantly, God knows He is with you, even if you can't see that right now. So when I speak about do not worry, 
You may not be able to do that, and that is absolutely okay. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. If you'd like to come and speak to me at the end or somebody you know well and trust, please do. We want to stand with you and support you if that's where you're at today. Okay, that's the end of the introduction. I'm actually going to begin. So firstly, point one, the verse in Philippians says, do not worry. Easier said than done. Whether or not we consider ourselves to be the sort of person who worries, the Bible assures us that we can trust in God. In fact, you may consider yourself to be a glass half empty sort of person where things often seem difficult or overwhelming. Or you might be more of a glass half full sort of person where it comes more naturally to see the good in situations and hope for the best. Um, just by show of hands, I'm a bit of a half full sort of person. Any other glass half full people? Nice, thank you. Um, glass half empty? Thank you. Here's the truth. Um, the Bible tells us who God is. God is a cup completely full to the brim and overflowing sort of person. And the goodness and the grace and the love that he has is sufficient for us. He is enough. Full stop. So, to think about the idea of not worrying, I'm not doing a deep dive into that one verse. I'm actually going to paint a bigger picture of the whole Bible message about not worrying. This theme of not worrying is part of our heritage as Christians. It's repeated over and over in the Old Testament where we are continually reminded to trust in the Lord. That's the same thought. Do not worry is another way of saying trust in the Lord. I think I've put it on the side with an equal sign for no reason other than it keeps Adrian happy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a statement. Do not worry is trust in the Lord. The Psalms and the Proverbs tell us repeatedly, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. I love Psalm 46 that tells us, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Kate Bowler, a writer I like, says this, the psalmist acknowledges here that the realities surrounding us are not changed. The psalm doesn't say, when everything's going great, then you know God is with you. No. Psalm 46 says, the mountains are swallowed up, the earth crumbles. Though nations are at war, and kingdoms and cities become bankrupt. Though the world as we know it has been upended, it is right there that we can find refuge with our God. God is our safe place, not after the worst is over, but right in the midst of our pain or grief or loss. God is our place of peace as the world around rages on. Jesus is enough, full stop. Another Psalm 37. Here is a, a different encouragement to trust God. Um, and I'm going to ask you to, a bit of interaction. So hopefully that Psalm will come up on the screen. Um, I'm going to ask you to look at what it is that God does in Psalm 37, where it, tell, it tells us to commit to God, to trust in him, 
to be still and to wait. So anyone happy to shout out, what, what action are we required to do here? There's four things. Commit. Trust. Be still. Wonderful. Thank you. Chloe, if you could put the next bit up. What, what does God do then? There are three. Delights. Holds. Isn't that beautiful? I like a verb. <laughs> um, Emily P. Freeman, another writer I like, says this. What we believe about God informs every aspect of our lives. So if you believe that God is both powerful and kind, you can trust him with the detail of your life. Throughout the Old Testament, we're also given examples of people of faith who choose to trust in God in the most extraordinary circumstances. I'm just going to quickly go over five examples. I know you'll be familiar with them, just to build our faith. Noah, based totally on trusting God, not a cloud in the sky, builds a massive ark. That's trusting God. Daniel, young man, sought to be faithful to God in a culture that was totally opposed to his faith. He continued to pray daily despite a law um, that meant he would be killed for praying. He carried on praying and trusting and he, as he was thrown into a den of lions and God showed up and protected him. Deborah, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, she was the leader of God's people in the time of Judges. And God spoke to her about sending her, the army into battle and he would give them victory. However, the commander of the army, a dude called Barak, was not sure. So he said, Deborah, can you come with me into battle? I'm not sure about this. She says, certainly I will go with you. Total trust in what God had spoken to her and in putting her life fully in his hands. Ruth. When her husband died, she chose to stick with and honor her mother-in-law, telling her, I know this verse is familiar, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Ruth then left her family, her town, her friends, and journeyed to Bethlehem with Naomi. What a sacrifice and humility based totally on trusting in God. And then Mary. We'll be thinking about Mary, won't we, soon, because we're coming up to Christmas Meek and mild? I don't think so. I think Mary is radical. A teenager, who's, an angel rocks up and tells her that she will miraculously become pregnant, putting her reputation, her engagement, her entire future at risk. She says, let it be to me as God has said. Incredible trust in God. As Christians, we stand on this heritage of faith that shows us both how to trust in God and that God can be trusted no matter what our circumstances. In his excellent book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson writes, um, saying that we should study the Old Testament to help us to put our worries into perspective. He says this, a Christian who has David in their bones, Jeremiah in their bloodstream, Paul in their fingertips and Christ in their heart will know how much or little value to put on their own momentary feelings and the experiences of the last week. I love that. You've got David in your bones, Deborah in your bloodstream, 
I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Graham came up and encouraged us to fill our hearts and minds with the word of God. What might that look like for you and me this week? Um, apologies, because I think we say this a lot here, but I really highly want to recommend the Bible Project. If you have access to the internet, you can access all of their resources. They're completely free. There are no qualifications. You, you just have to log on. You can Google Bible Project, um, and there's a little snapshot that you should be able to see of just this week, some of the new things they've got. They have podcasts, they have articles, they have essays, they have classroom, which is free Bible teaching, so we can immerse ourselves more in the Word of God. Um, and I'm finding that super encouraging, and I really recommend, if you're like, I don't really know where to start with this Old Testament stuff, hop on the Bible project. Okay, Old Testament. Then Jesus talks about the same theme of not worrying in, again, probably a familiar passage, Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to read two verses. Verse 25. This is why I tell you never to be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They do not plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? Jesus is promising here not that there will not be any difficulties in our lives, but rather that we can trust in God being attentive to the cares of our life. Kate Bowler writes, no matter what is keeping you up at night, or what feels overwhelming. God has not left your side. God sees you. He has not forgotten you. God is not asleep. Another way to say this, on brand, Jesus is enough. Full stop. Um, I'll move on now because of time, but I really recommend Matthew chapter 6. It's just so good for getting things in perspective. Okay, instruction number two is to pray. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some ways that I pray um, in the hope that might be of help to some of you. Um, I'm going to talk about praying honestly, praying ongoingly, praying thankfully, and praying with other people. Um, first of all, in this passage we're looking at in Philippians, um, do not worry, pray instead. I think God's inviting us to pray honestly to acknowledge our worries openly, share our hearts with God, to thank him for who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. The message version of Philippians 4, chapter 6, puts it like this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, you'll all know this one. Cast all your cares onto God because he cares for you. Ephesians chapter 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When I'm struggling to find words to pray, I turn to the Psalms. Psalm 31 is a great example of this idea that praise can shape our worries into prayer. It says this, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. 
For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that's set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I love that last verse, into your hands I commit my spirit. Of course, we know this is what Jesus cited as he died on the cross. So as we pray this psalm, we're linking directly into Jesus. And that decision, I commit my spirit, is a decision to trust him, to have the courage to leave things in his hands, to trust in God utterly. As the writer of Hebrews tells us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not yet see. Last little psalm for today. This example is from Psalm 40. This is a great honest prayer. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. Troubles surround me, too many to count. This is real. Troubles surround us. we surround me anyway. And it's confidence in God's unfailing love and trust in his faithfulness. I read this somewhere. I can't remember who said it, so apologies to whoever it was, but I thought it was good. Not every moment is good, but we can choose to believe God is good in every moment. So, thinking about praying ongoingly, that Passion Translation that I read at the start says, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Paul's point here is that prayer is not something that happens at a fixed point in the day, but it's rather an ongoing dialogue with our Father. I think it's helpful to remember that prayer does not have to be out loud, but it can be offered from the quiet of our hearts to God's heart. I have heard Christians say that they are bad at praying. This is not possible. Could you just say to the person next to you, it's not possible to be bad at prayer? And I'll tell you why, thank you for doing that, because to pray is to open our heart to God. You can't be bad at that. Um, It doesn't have to be loud or eloquent or lengthy or impressive. It can be simple. It's the acknowledgement again and again, Father, I need you. I know you love me. It doesn't look like it right now, but I trust you. It can be as simple as that and it can be as quiet as that. So, of course, if I'm saying that prayer is an ongoing conversation throughout the day, that's going to look different for us depending on what our days have in them. Um, A practice I think I've mentioned before is to use a breath prayer. It's a very simple prayer that you, as you inhale, you say one phrase, as you exhale, you say another. You can do that quietly enough so that your colleagues don't think you're insane, um, but it's a really good way to keep connecting back to heart and mind back to Jesus. So a simple one is, inhale, I can't, exhale, Lord, you can. And I was thinking to be on brand with a series, we could inhale Jesus, exhale, you are enough, but I haven't got enough breath to say full stop, so I might have to do another prayer. But it's just really simple. Um, I think it's also great to steal prayers. Um, we've got some books of Celtic prayers at home that we sometimes use. Um, I've stolen a prayer from the Bow Pit household with permission. Uh, we went to have dinner with Jules and Rich, and Rich led us in a prayer that went something like this. Lord, we thank you for the ways you've been with us today that we have seen, 
And we thank you for all the ways you've been with us today that are unseen. Beautiful prayer. I've thought about that loads since. It's prompted me to really consider how God is always working. We just don't always acknowledge it. And it's helped me to give thanks to him even when I can't see him working. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about um, quickly with prayer is praying with others. I think it's essential when we're worried to share that and ask others to stand with us. Um, I'm currently facing a situation that is utterly beyond me. I've got no idea what to do. I I don't mean this talk right now, something else. Um, (laughs) And there's no obvious answer. Um, Also, this week I attended a conference, a brilliant seminar about spiritual warfare, and the speaker said that in prayer, we seek spiritual solutions to the problems that we face. In prayer, we seek spiritual solutions to the problems that we face. And so I'm trusting God, and I'm believing he will provide. I have faith that next time I speak at Oasis, this impossible will have been transformed. God will have made a way. I just don't know how yet. I'm leaning on this worship song that I love. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. When everything around me is shaking... I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. Thank you. (laughs) They might have had some pre-preparation for that. (laughs) So I'm saying this. I have prayed. And then actually just yesterday, I reached out to a few friends to say, can you please just stand with me in prayer? I need a miracle. Can't do this. Can't do this on my own. Um, And also just felt like it was important to say, I'm not sure why, but I'm trusting it will help someone, that that's really hard for me to do. It doesn't look like it now, but by nature, I'm an introvert. I was going to say, shout out all the introverts in the room. (laughs) Thanks, Andy. And then I thought, people probably won't appreciate that. But anyway, I'm not the only one. But, so I... And I really struggle to trust people. And for me, my relationship with God is intensely private and personal. But I know that in God, you guys are my brothers and sisters. I know that I can lean on you through Christ. And through him, trusting others is a faith decision. To say, God, thank you, you've given me these good friends. And thank you that they can strengthen me. In this life, with its many troubles, and in this walk of faith, we need one another. God's placed us here in this community, or if you're a visitor, you're very welcome, part of this community today, and each one of us is needed and vital. If you've ever felt that you don't fit in here or you don't belong here, that's a lie. We need you. And if I have never personally looked you in the face and said, I need you, that just means we haven't spent more than five minutes together. You have been warned. Um, We can also encourage one another by sharing answered prayers, as Alice was alluding to earlier. I just want to share two examples of this quickly from our community. Um, Many of us will know Ella, and she has had a battle over the last few months with a difficult house move. About six months ago, Ella told me that she had prayed and trusted the whole situation to God, but then she was really worried. 
She told a friend of hers how worried she was, and her friend challenged her and said, but Ella, you've laid that down on the altar before God, so you don't need to pick it up again. And I found that profoundly, well, provoking, really. And how much do we say, yes, God, I trust you with this, and then the very next moment, pick it back up again and start worrying again. Just a couple of weeks ago, Ella shared with us on a Sunday morning the wonderful encouragement that God first had shown her that he would answer her prayers about her house move, and then later that very same week, the house sale was completed. Just wonderfully encouraging. Um, And I think maybe when we meet each other, we could cut through the small talk about the weather or the coffee. I don't like small talk. And just ask each other, where are you seeing prayers being answered right now in your life? Um, A second example from our community came from Lizzie. A small group of us had been meeting together to encourage one another one, and Lizzie suggested this idea that we meet up specifically to share and celebrate moments when, at the time, we wouldn't have realised it, but looking back now, we can see that God was working. It's genius, isn't it? It's really simple, and it's really clever. Um, And, yeah, I think we can just help one another along in this journey of faith with things like that. So, to sum up, what have I I just said about prayer when we're worried? I think this will be on the side. There were five things. Share our heart with God, giving him all the details. Be saturated in prayer, praying all the time. Choose to thank him, choose to trust him, choose to share with others. Now we get to the good bit, which is verse 7, the promise of peace. So um, the message version has, has verse 7 like this. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. God's peace does not mean that all the things we were worried about suddenly disappear Rather, N.T. Wright describes his peace as an ultimate sense of untroubledness that stands guard around our hearts. He imagines it to be like a surrounding presence of love and goodness and peace with our poor hearts in the middle, almost like angels standing guard around us. As we offer our troubles to God, in return, he offers us his cup of love and peace, which, as the message says, will come and settle you down. I love that. When I'm worried and scared, I need the Holy Spirit to come and settle me down. In a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to invite God to come and meet with us, actually, um, and come and settle us down. So, when we hang on to worry, we hang on to the idea that God is not big enough or wise enough or kind enough or interested enough in us to make a difference in our lives. When we give our worries to him and thank him for who he is, then the promise here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 is that we will know peace. We will truly know that Jesus is enough. Full stop. Um, in a moment, I'm going to invite Davina and Chica to come and speak out of verse 8 for us. As I was preparing for this morning a few weeks ago, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me, say, why don't you ask Davina and Chico if they'll come and speak? Um, And I did, and they said yes, 
So thank you very much. So I'm really excited about what they might have to share with us about um, purity described in verse 8. So if you guys want to come up, thank you. Hi. Uh, my name is Chika, and this is my the winner. And all right, I'm anxious, I'm nervous here, so please bear with me. First, when we were told we were going to share today, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, so yes, I told her, we're not doing it. But then I, I thought about it, and then something dropped in my heart. I said, let's go ahead, we're going to do it. And look at that verse 8 and 9. Uh, for me, it's a picture of love. Uh, that's, what, that's what came to my mind. I said, we're going to share about love. And in my recent travel, I met a young lady. She came up for prayer. She asked to pray for her. I said, why? She said, because she wants to pass the exams, which is good, so that she can be, so that her mom can be proud of her. That broke my heart. Because if she believed that until she passes her exams, her mom will not be proud of her, then that is wrong. So I said, where's your mom? She pointed her mom out. I called her mom forward. I said, please, can you tell her that you're proud of her? So for us, love is without anything included in it. God's love for us has no barrier. It doesn't base upon what you do or what I do. It's just pure and simple. So when we say that Jesus is enough, that God's love is enough for you. Your parents' love is enough for you. I remember when we, had, when we started dating, uh, we got engaged, and I wonder if you ask people, you ask yourself, she asks, do you love me? Or I said, I love you. She said, why? I'm like... <laughs> and it always happens to women. Women will say, when a man tells a woman, I love you, they want to know why you love them. But the reverse is not the same. When the woman tells a man, I love you, a man is happy. <laughs> Men don't ask why. I don't know why that happens. We never ask why. We just accept that you love us and that's it. So, and that kind of settles us. So for me, I know she loves me and I have confidence and trust in that. And she knows I love her. Although she wants a reason why, but I love her. So, so and that is for me, it's like, perhaps if you think of what's lovely, what's pure, was, if there's any virtue, we should think of those things. So we should think, if we allow God's love to shape how we think, we shall allow his love for us to shape our mindset. We will think about everything around us. Think about his love. So just to add, I was thinking, um, like in our human frailty sometimes, we, we cannot determine what is pure, wholesome, and right. <clears throat> Our marker is nowhere near his marker. And we have to get to know his word and not steer away from it. So usually in the mornings, I try and sit down and write and just try and sense what he's trying to say. So the next bit is just um, different times, just collated together. And this is what I felt. The greatest commandment is where you need to start. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, because out of that flows everything. Your purpose, your health, your mind, your peace. Concentrate on him and nothing else. So then what flows from your heart will begin to get pure and purer. See how your heart changes around those are not like you. 
a greater love because he loves. It will squeeze your patience, test you and challenge you. It is so contradictory to our very nature that we have no option but to draw on Jesus and the love of the Father to be continually changed throughout with the Holy Spirit. A day-by-day, moment-by-moment encounter, thirsting after him, but resting in his unfailing love, grace, and mercy. You've got to make the room and time to meditate on his words. So how does this work practically? I think, well, Lucy said most of it anyway. (laughs) Um, So for myself, um, it is just spending that time. And I think it's different for different people. It just depends on who you are and your sort of genetic makeup. And then you begin to learn and be guided by the Spirit with what works. So one thing he says to me might be different to another. But one of the things I do try and do is do declarations regularly. So it was so wonderful when Lucy started off and said, I am the daughter of the King. I found I just loved that. Um, And so that's what I do. I just have like um, a list of declarations where I just declare um, and you just make that personal to you. So I've got one similar where it's like, I am blessed because I am the daughter of the one true living God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, or my prayers are powerful and effective. And I think it's true that you have to just fake it until you make it, really, because sometimes you're not feeling like it at all. Other things, I've noticed for me that for my mind, I um, have to be careful of what I see and what I watch. So I've had to just try and think about things like switching like Netflix out for like faith networks and things like that, because what I see, I actually, my mind just meditate on that quite a lot. And then also I've noticed as well with um, the news, I don't know about for the people, but for COVID when... Um, those daily updates kept going, uh, uh, my mind, I could feel myself a little bit changing. So I was like, no, I've had to starve myself off of that for a little bit. And then I did feel get, like better. So my new rule is, is always the good news before the news. And I, I do that first. So um, finally, I just like to just spend time in silence and just see what thoughts come up and write them down. But all in all, I think nothing works best than just knowing that when negative thoughts surface, and they will surface, it's not if, it's when, you just have to say, no, it's I'm declaring this instead. Um, And I just think as well that um, that's when that peace of mind, the most precious exchange I feel, feel that God promises takes over and it takes our focus off from ourselves and then back onto him. We should have just had them talk the whole time, I think. Thank you so much. Um, In a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to have a a song. And then after that, we've left some space so that we can pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. There might be things God's spoken to you through the talk. Maybe you've got other stuff going on. um, But we'd love to make that space to invite him to come and meet with us.